Thanks for joining us and supporting Vikido Fitness. We ask for your continued support by becoming an It's All About Health and Fitness premium member. Go to www.vikidofitness.com forward slash join. Again, that's www.vikidofitness.com forward slash join and register for a $6 monthly subscription. And remember, keep listening, sharing, and checking us out. The views and opinions expressed are for general informational purposes only. Consult with your physician or medical health care provider for medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Today, we talk about research articles and hot topics. Our topic today is what's new? Hot topics number 68. Which is better for weight loss? Cardio or weightlifting? Well, your fat cells would like to have a word. Research shows that a cellular chat after your workout may explain in part why weight training burns fat. A retrospective cohort study found that black prostate cancer patients are less likely to go under the knife during this pandemic. What are the reasons? All this and more on It's All About Health and Fitness. Welcome to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks Bright. This program is brought to you by Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum. Now, here's your host, Vicki Doe and D. Banks Bright. I'm Dr. Vicki Haywood Doe, and with me is the one and only Dr. Virginia D. Banks Bright. So, how are you, D? I am doing excellently. Excellently. How are you? I am fine. I am enjoying getting close to August because August is our birthday month. For the Doe family. You and Natalie and Nathaniel. Yes. We're getting gearing up and then my mom as well. <laughs> now, didn't you all take trips together or special trips or something in August? Yes, but we're going to do a hot little minute to Chicago. We're going to do a hot minute to Chicago yeah. and celebrate with Brother T. That'll be fun. Yes. Mm. That'll, be fun. That'll be fun. That's exactly it. Today, we, we talk about research articles and hot topics that we think are worth looking at and talking about. Our topic today is what's new? Hot topics number 68. The question has been asked, which is better for weight loss, cardio or weightlifting? Now, many people who've decided to lose weight find themselves stuck with a tricky question, should they do cardio or lift weights? And they're the two most popular types of workouts, but it can be hard to know which is better, which is a better use of your time. And so research, though, we do know that research has shown over and over again, time and time again, that for weight loss, you must engage in moderate to vigorous cardio training consistently per week, at least four to five days and duration of 45 to 60 minutes. However, Weight training is important for your weight loss as well. Although a weight training workout doesn't typically burn as many calories 
as a cardio workout, it has other important benefits. Weight training is more effective than cardio at building muscle and muscle burns more calories at rest than some other tissues, including fat. And because of this, it is commonly said that building muscle is the key to increasing your resting metabolism. That is how many calories you burn at rest. With increased metabolism, you will be a fat burning machine even after you complete your exercise bout. Exercise physiologists and health experts recommend that for weight loss and weight management, cardio training along with weight training is the way to go. Later on in this episode, we will discuss an article that will go in more detail about weight training and weight loss and muscle gain. We will find out the latest interesting phenomenon that is happening. And so I can't wait. We can't wait to share that information with you. So what do you think, Dee? I'm excited. Cannot wait. Yeah, that'll be something to look forward to. Now, folks... Make sure you subscribe to this show. It's all about health and fitness, Vikido Fitness on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the platforms that you listen to your podcast. When you subscribe to this show, you will be notified when we post a new show and you will be able to listen to our inspirational and motivational health and wellness shows as soon as they are posted. And so make sure you go and subscribe today. We have wonderful guests lined up to come to this show, and we don't want you to miss out. We have important topics we will be discussing with our guests, and we will be talking about women entrepreneurship. You know, you can overcome fear. We got a phenomenal person coming on, a woman entrepreneur. She got it going on next week, and so Make sure you subscribe so you can hear that when we post that show. We're going to be talking about, with a guest, importance of the arts and if it is embracing diversity and inclusion for our artists of color. And then we're going to also be talking about community um, health and what resources are available for us to tap into. So we got a lot of shows coming up. We got many, many shows coming up because guess what? We are at least six months out before the end of this year. Can you believe that, D? <laughs> wow. Oh, my goodness. Really? Well, you know, I noticed this morning when I woke up, mm-hmm. the days are getting shorter. Yeah. Before we know it, you know, it's going to be fall again. Dark but, at 8 o'clock. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Morning. I know. Right. Folks, make sure you listen, though, because we're going to we're going to be here. Rain, shine and whatever season it's going to be. That's it. That's it. No question. That's That's it. it. (laughs) We have interesting topics, folks, and outstanding guests coming the rest of these months ahead. And so make sure you subscribe to the show. And last but not least, make sure you rate and review this show because that is how we grow and increase our listeners. And we definitely, we appreciate you. And as always, D, what do we say? Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. Thank you, thank you, thank you 
for your support. Yeah, D, like I said, you know, it's August, but with a blink, we'll be back in fall. <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, some schools are getting ready. To, when does Kent State start? Kent State starts that week, I think August the 26th. I think that's a Thursday, but yeah. Some schools are starting like August the 16th. Some yeah. schools are starting next week. Some, yeah. Yep. So we're back in the mix of school and trying to figure out. Oh, it's just about over, Vicky. I know. It's about over. It's about over. And trying to figure yeah. out once we get more in our routine and, and get in that school setting, we got to figure out, are we going to breathe on each oh, other? Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yep. That's right. So that's going to be something. That will be. Uh-huh. And you know, nobody uh-huh. can make a decision like you're going to tell us early. Um, furthermore, in this show, and we talked about it before we start taping, I've already decided what I'm going to do because I'm going to take care of my damn self. <laughs> I told you, you can only rely on you. People running around waiting for this agency and that group and that organization to say something. You better take care of you and put your mask on. That's it. That's so, all I have to say. School's going to be here. Fall is, is coming around the corner, yeah. you know. And yeah. so I'm at least watching the Summer Olympics, and we'll talk more about that. But that's a trip. Yeah, it's a trip. But you've been watching the swimming. I know you've been watching the swimming. Oh, every night. Yes, I have been. And I watched uh, Ledeke do that 1,500 meter the other night. And I'm like, oh, my God. They were talking about, you know, like for the marathon, you know, your diet is very important. They were talking about how she plans her meals because, yeah. you know, just from the little bit of running that I did, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have your, your necessary complex carbohydrates and, and your key foods. You run out of steam. And she had, that was 30 laps in that pool. Oh, yeah. You run out of, yeah. You run out of steam. So she has, had to make sure that she ate frequent meals, but each meal was dedicated to some portion of making up her energy that she needed for that. And the girl was kicking. I mean, Mm-mm. she passed all those people. They were pooping out, and she was still going strong. And I was looking at her, and I was like, you know, it speaks to the article that you're going to talk about later about mm-hmm. the human capacity for doing those kinds of things, you know? Yes, and it takes mental, mental strength as well. It does. It, mm-hmm. it definitely does. Yeah, so. You no, know, I remember when I was running, I was running, Vicky. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. I would be running and I would get into my zone. I just couldn't. I was thinking I couldn't make it. And then I, and then I said, okay, let me pretend I'm a runaway slave. <laughs> and, <laughs> and knowing that a runaway slave, if I slow down, or stop running, the dogs will get me. And, I mean, it was a mind game that I played with myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I said, you know, what would I do if I was in that situation? I keep stepping. And so all of a sudden, you know, you, you get up energy and your mind goes, you can do it, you can do it. You know, so it is a mind game. It's a mind and game. And I understand we're going to talk about her later. So that mind game thing got to Simone. It sure did. That mind game thing got to her. Yeah. So, yeah. It's been interesting. So we will continue to watch, right? (laughs) 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting. You know, I mean, it started out interesting, Vicky, when uh, Shakara Richardson got booted out for smoking marijuana or whatever. And that was, you know, that was a trip. I know. So now it's unfolding even more and more so. Yeah, so we, we shall keep watching. We shall keep watching. So how was your week? It was good. What did I do? Well, I worked last weekend, so, you know, that was that was okay. But I went to, uh, we went to Blossom to hear the Cleveland Orchestra. Oh, I bet you uh, that was beautiful. It was fantastic. Lawn seats could bring a picnic. Now, you can bring a picnic to the orchestra, but you can't do that for the rock concerts and stuff. So, you know, we had a picnic, and you can bring your own wine and your own food, and you're sitting out there under the stars. You have those like those low seats, you know, those low picnic seats or whatever, uh-huh. lawn seats. And the orchestra played Dvorak's New World Symphony and played a piece by Prokofiev. And it was just, I mean, it couldn't have been better. It started at 7 o'clock and it was over at 9. That was enough time. Got out of there without a lot of hassle. So, yeah, it was really, really very relaxing for a Sunday evening. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds very nice. Sounds very nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, what is going on this week, Dee? Vicki, everything. <laughs> everything. Oh, my Lord, everything. Yes, everything, everything. You know, we just talked about Simone Biles dropped out of the Summer Olympics final. And it's hot on the news that not only has she dropped out, we knew that she had dropped out of the finals and the individuals and all that, but all around, she's not going to compete at all. That came out today. I mean, you know, I guess after Naomi Osaka Mm -hmm. decided, I guess girls or athletes decided that, you know, whatever that they're, you know, the mindfulness is a, you use that a lot. That's one of your, your terms that you talk about a lot on this show, the mindfulness thing. And the girls are not having enough time for mindfulness activities, from what I understand, from mm-hmm. some of the things that I've been to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that, that mindfulness, taking time for yourself, you know, because I can understand how with competition, it's extremely stressful, and they're yes. always competing. They're always practicing. They're always, yeah. At one point, your your mental capacity can only go so much, and you got to take a break. You do, and you know. And then the other thing is that the press puts so much pressure on you. You know, mm-hmm. you make a little, you make a little tiny error, and you know it's blown up into something, and. You, you got to meet up to their expectations, not your expectations, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's just got to be extremely, extremely stressful. And then, like the other gymnasts were saying that they interviewed, you know, it's a dangerous sport. You slip and you can fall on your head. You, I remember in high school, mm-hmm. a young man was on the, those, what do you call it, the horse. Yes. And he fell or whatever somehow and broke his neck and was paralyzed. I'll never forget that. Mm. And so, you know, it's a very dangerous. Look at all those flips and flops and on those bars. Somebody fell today on, on one of the Japanese teams. So it's a dangerous sport. you got to go in there. Your head has got to be together. You can't. There's no. There's hardly any room for error. That's what I'm trying to say, Vicky. Yeah. 
any room for error. There's hardly none because one error, a slip up, can cost you your life for the rest of your life. Yeah, or paralyzed for the rest of your life. Paralyzed for the rest of your life. That's it. It says that, yeah, she announced, what, early on Tuesday that she was going to withdraw from the final due to medical issue. But when they talked with her in the press conference, she said that she has to prioritize her mental health. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So she told me. Uh, credit only for her decision to pull out from the gymnastics team final at the Tokyo Olympics on Tuesday, like you said, saying that the tennis star inspired her to focus on my mental health. Why this matters, Biles' exit has raised awareness on how mental health is equally important to physical health, especially among athletes in high-stress environments such as the games. Last month, Osaka dropped out of the French Open to give herself a break from social anxiety and long bouts of depression. U.S. Gymnastics announced early on Tuesday that Biles had withdrawn from the final due to a medical issue. In a press conference after the team won silver, the 24-year-old explained that she had to prioritize, like you say, her mental health. Mm-hmm. Whenever you get in a high-stress situation, you kind of freak out, she told the reporters, according to USA Today. I have to focus on my mental health and not jeopardize my health and well-being. The two-time Olympian said Osaka inspired her to speak about her own issues. I say put mental health first because if you don't, then you're not going to enjoy your score, and you're not going to succeed as much as you want to, she said, according to People Magazine. Osaka, who lit the Olympic cauldron but made an early exit Tuesday, also discussed the toll of performing in the event. I definitely feel like there 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 was a lot of pressure for this. I think it's maybe because I haven't played in the Olympics before, and for the first year, it was a bit much. I think I'm glad with how I played with taking that break that I had, she told reporters. Yeah. And now mm-hmm. she's gone. She's gone too. And that's the next that's the next thing happening. Osaka is out too along with I think it happened at the same day, didn't it? I think it too, Vicky. Yeah, I think it did, yeah. So it, Simone is out and then Naomi Osaka, she left. She didn't have a a medal and she lost in the third round to Makita Vondrasova. Uh huh. Vondrasova, right? Vondrasova, Makita, but she's what from um, the Czech Republic, I think. Uh huh. Yep. He said, "I'm disappointed. How disappointed am I? I mean, I'm disappointed in every loss, but I feel like this one sucks more than the others." Osaka said. Osaka, who had 32 unforced errors in the match, isn't the first big name to lose early in the women's draw. World number one, I know, and that was a shock, too. Wimbledon champion Ashley Barty. She just won Wimbledon. I know. Lost opening round to Spain's Sarah Cerebus, mm-hmm. Formo, number three seed, mm-hmm. Arena Sabalenka of Belarus, also made an early exit, losing to Croatia's Donna Zikek in the second round. But this upset is arguably much bigger than those. The face of these Olympics and on her best surface, this is the first time Osaka has lost on a hard court before the quarterfinals since the 2020 Australian Open. When she lost to Coco Goff Mm -hmm. in the third round, all seven of Osaka's career titles have come on 
hardcore. Yeah. So what's going on with these guys? What's going on with the, the I, ladies? Oh, you tell me. No, I, I don't know what's going on with them. I mean, maybe they're maybe they're empowering themselves to come out now and talk about these issues. Yeah. That's what I was thinking because before it was pushed down and hush hush. But people Right, and remember they're all coming out of that the, the gymnastics young lady. Remember that big sexual assault scandal that they had, you yeah. know, where a lot of them a lot of that stuff kinda came out and they were abused and this, that and the other and it was a hot mess. Yeah. I guess they're they're starting to stand up, but at the same time Folks are embracing it, but then we still got we still got folks talking smack too about the um, players. Most especially when they're African Americans, you know, they wanna they wanna talk smack of how they leaving their team members and they letting them down and this and that. Yeah. I've been hearing that too. I've been hearing that too. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like. You go out there and play. <laughs> you go out there and perform. You're absolutely right. That's it. And none of them can do that at uh, that level. No, not at that level. Absolutely not. Or any other level. <laughs> <laughs> or any other level. No. That's it. Oh, yeah. So, so kudos to them for standing up for themselves. <laughs> yes. At the end of the day, you know, there was a guy there today a man and his wife, they're the parents of, I guess there's a gymnast who kind of stepped up to the plate. Her name is something, Anissa Lee or something like that. Okay. And her parents, they live in St. Paul, Minnesota. And the father was a gymnast, and he fell off of one of the things, and he's paralyzed. He was in a wheelchair this morning, talking about how his daughter got motivated to do gymnastics and stuff like that after he, you know, he uh, had had his uh, fall and stuff. So, yeah. Wow. What was his name? What was what was her name? It's Anissa Lee, something like that. Okay, okay, yeah. Because there were only four girls, I think, on the podium or whatever, but her, like I said, her name, I think, is Anissa Lee. Okay, I, I think I know, I definitely know which one of the girls you're talking about, and I remember seeing their whole family watching, and he was in a wheelchair. wheelchair. He was very... Uh, you know, introspective about how he thought, you know, she could handle the pressure because he said, you know, she's been under pressure. She's been behind. Uh, her name is Sunisa Lee. Sunisa, yes. Sunisa Lee. Yes. Um, about how she's been under pressure anyway. So, yeah. Wow. So that's, that's, that's interesting watching, you know, the whole, the families and, and just the stories. All of their stories are just really interesting, don't you think? Yeah, they, they really are very interesting. Yeah, yeah. We always want to leave with some type of um, health tip, food for thought. And it's been a minute since we've done that. I decided to look up and see what was going on. And this, this article was written in the Idea Fitness Journal. And since we're talking about fat loss and muscle gain and all of that, one of our other articles, I decided to talk about this briefly. Now, this is the health tip food for thought, fat loss and muscle gain, an elusive combination. And this was written in the Idea Fitness Journal. And it says clients and fitness pros alike must often 
feel they are chasing unicorns in the tricky quest to gain muscle and lose fat. Indeed, researchers at McMaster University, Hamilton, Ontario, showed in a study just how difficult it can be to manage weight, control calories, and balance protein during the process. 40 young men underwent a month of hard exercise while cutting the dietary energy they would normally require by about 40%. Now, this was said by Stuart Phillips, uh, a professor in the Department of Kinesiology at McMaster, and he's the senior investigator on the study, which was published in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition. And he said... It was a grueling affair. These guys were in rough shape, but that was part of the plan. We wanted to see how quickly we could get them into shape, lose some fat, but still retain their muscle and improve their strength and fitness. The researchers divided their subjects into two groups. Both groups went on a low-calorie diet, one with higher levels of protein than the other. The higher protein group experienced muscle gains about 2.5 pounds despite consuming insufficient energy, whereas the lower protein group did not add muscle. The lower protein group at least had the consolation of not losing muscle, which is a predictable outcome of cutting calories and not working out, according to the investigators. Now, Phillips explained exercise, particularly lifting weights, provides a signal for muscle to be retained even when you're in a big calorie deficit. Researchers were intrigued because the high protein group also lost more body fat. Phillips said, we expected the muscle retention but were a little surprised by the amount of additional fat loss in the higher protein consuming group. Results showed that the high protein group lost about 10.5 pounds and the low protein group shed only eight pounds. All the participants by virtue of the demanding six days a week exercise routines got stronger and fitter and were generally in better shape by the end of the study. However, researchers cautioned that this regimen is not for everyone. We designed this program for overweight young men, although I'm sure it would work for young women too, to get fitter, stronger, and lose weight fast. It's a tough program and not something that's sustainable or for those looking for a quick and easy fix. Phillips continued to say, we controlled their diets, we supervised the exercise, and we really kept these guys under our scientific thumb for the four weeks they were in the study. Phillips and his team hoped to conduct a follow-up study on women and also explore a different approach that he describes as a little easier and much more sustainable. That study was just really bringing on home that with fat loss and with muscle gain, you definitely, once again, you have to lift weights, but you also, it's important that you, to retain your muscle mass while you're lowering your calorie, your total raw calorie intake, but you got to make sure that you 
eat more protein, which is important for you within your fat loss process. And yes, a lot of studies are really showing that, yeah, correlation. I love it, you know. And Well, that's why, that's why it was so interesting to hear about that Ledecky's, um, you know, diet regimen, because she's got it down to a fine science. Uh-huh. Most especially when you're in competition. So let's think about it. If you can have your eating and your nutrition down to a science, you can do that to, and, and it works for elite athletes and for competition, you can do the same type of honing in with your diet and all of that when you're trying to lose weight as well. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So, so that's the key. You have to mix weight lifting with all the other things in your regimen. That's it. Yep. To, to maintain your muscle mass, period. Yep. All right. So what's the latest, D? Well, there's some hot off the press stuff. Yesterday, the Center for Disease Control came out with, this was the one, new recommendations affect schools, areas with surges, regardless of vaccination status. Due to emerging science about transmission and vaccinated people, the CDC now recommends all teachers and students wear masks in school, and that people living in hot spots, COVID hot spots, or areas of the country with large outbreaks wear masks indoors, CDC officials said Tuesday. Rochelle Walensky... Dr. Rochelle Walensky, who's CDC director, attributed this updated guidance to new science surrounding the Delta variant, showing that some vaccinated people infected with the Delta variant after vaccination may be contagious and spread the virus to others. And, Vicki, this is also because we know that the virus is much more transmissible, but you get almost a tenfold amount of virus in your system mm. when you're infected with the Delta variant than you did with the Alpha variant. Mm. He cited the evidence that in cohorts of COVID cases, a small number of fully vaccinated breakthrough cases had similar viral loads compared with unvaccinated cases. Walensky said that because of the potential for forward transmission in vaccinated people, CDC is updating its guidance to recommend that fully vaccinated people wear masks in areas with high or substantial transmission. Now, remember, this is a reversal of when they came out in May and said that it's okay if you're vaccinated to take your mask off. But I do want to remind people, she did say we do stand, we do have the right to come back and reverse this if we see things going in the wrong direction, and this is exactly what is happening now. Mm-hmm. So the agency recommends universal indoor masking for everyone in K-12 schools, from teachers to students to staff and visitors, regardless of vaccination, regardless of vaccination vaccination status. This moment and the associated illness, suffering, and death could have been avoided with higher vaccination coverage in this country, she says. Both high and substantial transmission were defined using CDC's COVID data tracker, where substantial transmission means 50 to 100 cases per 100,000 over a seven-day period, and high transmission means over 100 cases per 100,000. Walensky said. She added there were some counties in with COVID rate over 300 cases per 100,000. As of now, 46% of U.S. counties have high transmission and 17% have substantial transmission. If you have a vaccinated individual in a place with substantial or high transmission who are in contact with a lot of people, 
one in 20, one in 10 of those contacts could potentially lead to a breakthrough infection, and that is what we're seeing now in our hospital, Vicki. Okay, wow. Community-level recommendations were outlined in further detail in an early edition of Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Report. The CDC has been collecting PCR data on tens of thousands of people, such as healthcare workers, essential workers, and workers in long-term care facilities, on a weekly or bi-weekly basis to evaluate breakthrough infections, and we'll be reporting on these soon, Walensky added. This represents the agency's third change in indoor mask guidance in the last three months. After dropping most mask recommendations for fully vaccinated people in May, agency then said earlier this month that vaccinated teachers and students did not need to wear a mask indoors, though CDC still recommended indoor masking for students ages 2 and older who are not fully vaccinated. Walensky also cited low uptake of vaccination among that group that was just authorized to take it, the 12 to 17, with only 30% fully vaccinated. When we released our school guidance, we had less Delta variant in this country. And importantly, we were hopeful that we would have more people vaccinated. And when asked why the agency previously said vaccinated individuals could go unmasked in schools, that's what they said. Walensky acknowledged that this guidance is not a welcome piece of news, that masking is going to be a part of people's lives who've been vaccinated. This is not a decision that we have made lightly. This weighs heavily on me and with all of America. Now, let's roll around. Now, I, you might remember here in Ohio, maybe it was Monday, uh-huh. that Dr. Bruce Vanderhoff came out talking about the schools from Ohio that they were not going to mandate masks. Okay. And so here you are, and I was interviewed on television that day, and I just thought I really didn't think it was a great idea because, well, just with the situation that we have here now, you know, the mm-hmm. Delta variant, and then and then this was, I think this was on Monday, mm-hmm. and then Tuesday the CDC came out with this. And then another update yesterday you know, again, not just with schools, but just reemphasizing, bottom line, mm-hmm. put your mask back on, mm. bottom line, you know, whether you're vaccinated or not. And it's even more important. And what, what I'm afraid of in Ohio mm-hmm. is that they're just talking about blanket, you know, don't have to wear your mask and all that. Well, I'm not sure that he explained it well enough to say that, if your vaccination rate in your county, let's say, for example, in Columbiana County, where the vaccination rate is only 35 percent, mm-hmm. those kids and teachers and everybody else need to be uh, masked up. Because my thing is, gone are the days of people being on an honor system. I know. People lie. People lie. Yeah. Yeah. People lie. They're not going to be telling the truth. And so here you're going to be running around worried whether somebody's vaccinated or not. Like, what did we say earlier? Take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. That's it. Be proactive. Mm-hmm. With that said, then, the guidelines is that, that whether you're vaccinated or not, if you're with a lot of people, put your mask on. Put your mask on. Correct. And that's easy. Correct. I don't get it. I mean, it seems <laughs> easy to me. <laughs> I mean, what's the problem? What's the problem? And people have all these conspiracy theories. It's ridiculous. But they also say that it's a lot of black folks and Latino and um, brown folks and all kind of folks 
especially our folks that are not getting vaccinated. I don't get it. I don't get it either. Mm-hmm. There's about, as they say, 25% of people in this country have dug their heels in the sand and said, we're just not going to get vaccinated. And that's that. And so here we are. They're going to drag us down, and we will be in coronavirus for the next five years. I know. They'll continue to mutate. Yeah. And we'll just go down to, you know, alpha, beta, gamma, delta, epsilon, zeta, like the sororities and fraternities. We'll just go straight down the alphabet. And that's, that's a travesty when we have a vaccination that is extremely efficacious. I don't get it. I, I, I just don't get it. And, the, and, the, and the, the conspiracy theories are just incredible. I know. Yeah. Well, hopefully one day somebody will have, you know, those, those high ups that, you know, want to be so powerful. Maybe one day they'll get some balls and mandate the stuff and so we can keep oh. on moving. That's what somebody said on my Facebook page today, that we got to have somebody that's courageous. That's We're going to have to have somebody courageous to step up to the plate and say, unless you're mandated, unless you're vaccinated, you're not coming in here. That's it. Period. You know, they say Period. France is doing it where if you're not vaccinated, yeah. you can't do stuff. <laughs> you can't go to the theater. You can't go to games. You can't go to any of that stuff. Yes, they are. You have got to show your vaccine passport or whatever yeah and they're not going on an honor system they're not going on an honor system you're right there it is if you don't have it for the movies or you can't go to some out, outdoor concert or any of those no so they took a stand but that's the government taking a stand we don't have that here. They distribute it down to the little individual municipalities, and that's just ridiculous because everybody's on a different page, and every county has a different political system, you know, or political, you know, issues of, you know, what side they're on, whether they're going to be Democrats or Independents or Republicans or whatever. And the whole thing has become, you know, very politicized, unfortunately. Unfortunately. And people are, are getting sick and losing their lives. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I guess we just have to follow our own mindset and our advice, and we need to just put our mask on and take care of ourselves. Period. Thank you. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Vicki Haywood Doe. I just wanted to break in for a quick second and introduce to you the sponsor and creator of this show. It's the company I own, Haywood Doe. Consulting Co. doing business as Vicky Doe Fitness. We are a health and wellness consulting company that specializes in designing and implementing medically integrated applied exercise physiology-based fitness wellness programs, initiatives, events, health promotion, and health education for special populations such as older folks, children, adolescents, overweight and obese individuals, cardiac rehab, women's health, and those who have chronic diseases. We have a team and network of healthcare professionals based out of Northeast Ohio, and we've worked with many companies, schools, churches, and organizations. If your goal is to transform your life by taking a holistic approach to living a life of health and total well-being, get in touch with us at info at 
To find out more about our on-site and online programs and services, go to vikidofitness.com. And now back to the show. Today we talk about research articles and hot topics. And our topic today is what's new? Hot topics number 68. And so I'm going to start out with this article. And this article says, lifting weights, your fat cells would like to have a word. And this was written in the New York Times. And it states, a cellular chat after your workout may explain in part why weight training burns fat. And this is a great article because, you know, it really hones in on weight training and fat burning. It starts out, it says, we all know that lifting weights can build up our muscles, but by changing the inner workings of cells, weight training may also shrink fat, according to an enlightening new study of the molecular underpinnings of resistance exercise. The study, which involved mice and people, found that after weight training, muscles create and release little bubbles of genetic material that can flow to fat cells, jump-starting processes there related to fat burning. The results add to mounting scientific evidence that resistance exercise has unique benefits for fat loss. They also underscore how extensive and interconnected the internal effects of exercise can be. Many of us pigeonhole resistance training as muscle building and with good reason, lifting weights or working against our body weight as we bob through push-ups, squats, or chair dips, which noticeably boost our muscles size and strength. But a growing number of studies suggest weight training also reshapes our metabolisms and waistlines. In recent experiments, weight workouts goose energy expenditure and fat burning for at least 24 hours after in young women, overweight men, and athletes. Likewise, in a study that the author covered earlier this month, people who occasionally lifted weights were far less likely to become obese than those who never lifted. But how weight training revamps body fat remains murky. Part of the effect occurs because muscle is metabolically active and burns calories. So adding muscle mass by lifting should increase energy expenditure and resting metabolic rates. After six months of healthy living, for example, muscles will burn more calories just because they are larger. But that doesn't fully explain the effect because adding muscle mass requires time and repetition. While some of the metabolic effects of weight training on fat stores seem to occur immediately after exercise, perhaps then... Something happens at a molecular level right after resistant exercise that targets fat cells, a hypothesis that a group of scientists at the University of Kentucky in Lexington, the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, and other institutions recently decided to investigate. The researchers had been studying muscle health for years. 
but had grown increasingly interested in other tissues, especially fat. Maybe, they speculated, muscles and fat chatted together amiably after a workout. In the past decade, the idea that cells and tissues communicate across the expanse of bodies has become widely accepted, though the complexity of the interactions remains boggling. Sophisticated experiments show that muscles, for instance, release a cascade of hormones and other proteins after exercise that enter the bloodstream, course along to various organs and trigger biochemical reactions there in a process known as cellular crosstalk. Our tissues also may pump out tiny bubbles known as vesicles during crosstalk. Once considered microscopic trash bags stuffed with cellular debris, vesicles now are known to contain active, healthy genetic material and other substances. Released into the bloodstream, they relay this biological matter from one tissue to another like minuscule messengers in bottles. Some experiments indicate that aerobic exercise prompts muscles to release such vesicles, conveying a variety of messages, but few studies had looked into whether resistant exercise might also result in vesicle formation and inner tissue chatter. So, for the new study, which was published in May in the FASAB or FASEB journal, from the Federation of American Societies for Experimental Biology. The researchers decided to examine the cells of bodybuilding mice. They first experimentally encapsulated several of the leg muscles in the healthy adult mice, leaving a single muscle to carry all the physical demands of movement. That muscle swiftly hypertrophied or bulked up. Providing, yeah, providing an accelerated version of resistance training. Before and after that process, the researchers drew blood, biopsied tissues, centrifuge um, fluids, and microscopically searched for vesicles and other uh, molecular changes in the tissues. They noted plenty. Before their improvised work chaining, the rodent's leg muscle had teamed with a particular snippet of genetic material known as the MIR1 that modulates muscle growth. In normal untrained muscles, MIR1, one of the group of tiny strands of genetic material known as microRNA, keeps a break on muscle building. After the rodent's resistance exercise, while consisted of walking around, though, the animal's leg muscles appeared depleted of MIR1. At the same time, the vesicles in their bloodstream now thronged with the stuff, as did nearby fat tissue. It seems the scientists concluded that the animal's muscle cells somehow pack those bits of micro RNA that retard hypertrophy into vesicles and posted them to neighboring fat cells, which then allowed the muscles immediately to grow. But what was the MIR1 
doing to the fat once it arrived? The scientists wondered. To find out, they marked vesicles from weight-trained mice with a fluorescent dye, injected them into untrained animals, and tracked the glowing bubbles' paths. The vesicles hone in on fat, the scientists saw, then dissolve and deposit their MIR1 cargo there. Soon after, some of the genes in the fat cells went into overdrive. These genes helped direct the breakdown of fat into fatty acids, which other cells then can use as fuel reducing fat stores. In effect, weight training was shrinking fat in mice by creating vesicles in muscles that through genetic signals told the fat it was time to break itself apart. The process was remarkable, said John McCarthy, a professor of physiology at the University of Kentucky, who was an author of the study with his then graduate student, Ivan J. Vachetti Jr. and other colleagues. Mice are not people, though, so as a final facet of the study, the scientists gathered blood and tissue from healthy men and women who had performed a single fatiguing lower body weight workout and confirmed that, as in mice, MIR1 levels in the volunteers' muscles dropped after their lifting, while the quantity of MIR1 containing vesicles in their bloodstreams soared. Of course, the study mostly involved mice and was not designed to tell us how often or intensity um, we should lift to maximize vesicles output and fat burn. But even so, the result served as a bracing reminder that, and this is important, muscle mass is vitally important for metabolic health. Dr. McCarthy said, and that we should start building that mass, getting our tissues talking every time we host a weight. So here we go. Lifting weights, come to find out, is important not only for building muscle mass, but for triggering the processes of fat burning. How's that? Wow. <laughs> That's deep. We, we've always said, as exercise physiologists, we've always said that, yes, you want to do cardio training because, yes, that will burn the most calories, the most fat, and all of that at one bout, and you do it consistently over time. Yes, and then it also has health benefits such as cardio adaptations and strengthening your heart and vessels and so forth and so on. But we also... Uh, recommend that you do that with weight training. And we were focusing on increasing your metabolic, your metabolism, so that you can burn fat even after you finish that bout of exercise and so that you will not lose your muscle mass when you are trying to lose weight as well. But to, to know that the based on this study, that the um, process of lifting weight is causing a genetic, you know, process to happen where the, the fat cell is, um, the muscle cell is talking to the fat cell and they on the same page. 
I'm kind of liking that. <laughs> I know. I know. But you, this is something that you have been preaching about for a long time. Mm-hmm. So I love it. I love it. So at the end of the day, folks, you know, yes, we want you to be out there exercising and walking and running and watching what you eat. But, yeah, start lifting a few weights. Even just lifting a, a little bit consistently and triggers this whole process, you know, of fat burning um, for the, the fat cells, you know. So I love it for them to start breaking down and uh, we use that energy. So, yes. But, you know, I was just sitting here listening to you. I think it works. I don't know if they've done the studies or even if you even mentioned it. I find that it's very difficult for people to do weight training at, at home alone by themselves. Is that true, or is it better in a group setting, or what are the stats on that? Can pe- do people do pretty well by themselves, or do they have to be motivated by somebody else? Um, weight training is still considered an exercise like cardio training, and with any uh-huh. exercise, with any exercise, no matter what it is, we all still need motivation. Now, weight training... Yeah. We hone in on weight training as far as making sure that you at least have someone to guide you because you don't want to hurt yourself, especially when you're doing free weights, you know, and overextending yourself and not having the proper technique and form. Causing injuries. Causing injuries. But that's with anything. That's with um, cardio exercise. That's with doing yoga. So for right. yeah, so for any of the exercise, yeah, no matter what it is, it, it still comes down to that mindset and motivation. So whatever gets you motivated. Yeah, that's true. That's also true. <laughs> yeah, group is um, always good, but now with COVID, you know, online programs are good. And so I'm gonna put a plug in. We have our step by step weight loss boot camp masterclass, our program. Yeah. But we definitely have, not only are we talking about eating, but we have, we have our exercise training. And guess what, folks? A lot of it is circuit training using your body weight or small weights or however weights that you can lift with this program. And it's a 12-week program. So we have a lot of weight training in that program. However, we have our app uh, Vikido Fitness Health Coaching app, and within that app, every exercise that we program, there's a video, and it shows uh, a man lifting those weights or whoever lifting those weights, and it shows the proper mm-hmm. form to lift mm-hmm. those weights. Mm-hmm. What's so cool about that app, the person will, uh, if I'm using that app, I can record myself doing that same technique, press that button, and then send it, and then I will be able to see if you're doing the proper technique. And you can see for yourself because you can compare it to the demo. So there's a lot of apps that are doing that, but we have that one. Vikido Fitness is our health fitness coaching app, and it's a part of it's free, actually, a part of our step-by-step weight loss boot camp masterclass. So go check it out, folks. Go to, yes, go to our website, hit training, or go all the way down to the bottom of that homepage and hit boot camp. 
and it will tell you all about it. But yeah, we've always thought about that with the weight training. How can we put something out there where people will have that proper technique and form? And so a lot of these software and apps, and we have our own app, that that app, you can look at the um, demo, the demonstration, and see how to do all the exercise, even down to the stretch, even the cardio exercises that we have designed in that program. Yeah, because, yeah, technique is very important no matter what you're doing. I, you know, I keep looking at these weights on the side of the floor by my bed, and I'm like, you got to bend over and pick them up. <laughs> <laughs> That's you need to bend over and pick them up. I've gotten that far. They've gotten at least close to the bed. I'm closer. Well, the, hey, that's the first step. <laughs> that's the first step. I got them closer. Yes, yes, yes. Well, we'll, we'll let this be our last article, D. Yeah, this is kind of like a, a subject that's near and dear to me because I have had so many male friends with prostate cancer. And I remember when I was in medical school, our medical school teacher, whether it was urology or whatever, said that if a man gets old enough, they will all end up having a type of prostate cancer with different types of aggression. But this article is black prostate cancer patients less likely to go under the knife during pandemic and sites with higher proportions of black patients more likely to be affected by restrictions. So the odds of undergoing surgery for prostate cancer were significantly lower for black patients compared with white patients during the initial wave of the COVID pandemic according to a retrospective cohort study. Just 1% of black men with untreated non-metastatic prostate cancer underwent prostatectomy from March to May 2020 compared with 26% of white men, despite a similar rate of prostatectomy between the two groups during the same three months in 2019. 17.7% versus 19.1% reported Andre Correa, MD of Fox Chase Cancer Center in Philadelphia and colleagues. This represented a 90% lower rate of prostatectomies among black patients during the pandemic compared with 17% lower rate among white patients, they noted, in JAMA Oncology. That's significant. Wow. Goodness. Mm. That's significant. And while it wasn't unusual to restrict cancer surgeries at the beginning of the pandemic, so that hospitals could prioritize patients who required emergency care, sites with higher proportions of black patients were more likely to be affected by these restrictions. Mm. I know. Wow. While the team found that surgical rates varied widely from site to site, ranging from a complete shutdown to a 33% increase in surgical procedures, 40.5% of the patients at the two most affected sites were black while 81.7% of patients at sites least affected were white. In an accompanying editorial, Randy Vent, MD of the University of Michigan, and Arbor pointed out that the study's findings are consistent with other research that showed that COVID pandemic has disproportionately affected poor, black, indigenous, and Hispanic communities. Something else for me to talk about in my lectures. Mm-hmm. Korea and colleagues used the Pennsylvania Urological Urologic Regional Collaborative 
a prospective collaborative of 11 urology practices in Pennsylvania and New Jersey to identify and evaluate men who received a diagnosis of non-metastatic prostate cancer. Of the included 647 men, 176, 26.6%, were non-Hispanic black, and 475, 73.4%, were non-Hispanic white. They compared prostatectomy rates between black and white patients during the first three months of the COVID pandemic. 269 patients, 76 black, 193 white, from March 16th to May 15th, 2020, and during the comparable three months prior to the pandemic, 378 patients, 96 black, 282 white, from March 11th to May 10th. Both groups had similar COVID-19 risk factors and biopsy Gleason grade groups. Furthermore, despite the lower surgical rates, black men had higher pre-biopsy median prostate-specific antigen levels compared with white men. 8.8 nanograms per milliliter versus 7.2. Black men were younger, making them an even higher priority mm. for surgical management, the authors observed. Korea and colleagues acknowledged that the study was retrospective, was a retrospective review of a regional cohort and may not be generalizable to the general population. However, the cohort included a broad sample of facility types and regions, including areas that are less densely populated and were less affected by the initial pandemic, they pointed out. In addition, they suggested that it could be hypothesized that patients may have been diverted to outpatient therapeutics during this time to receive radiotherapy, which could explain some of the decrease in surgeries. Although PURC, that Pennsylvania collaborative, was designed to capture prostate cancer care delivered by urologists, biopsies, active surveillance, and prostatectomies. Subsequent treatment after enrollment is captured and no concurrent increase in radiotherapy was noted. So you had to take that out of there. Mm. Given that it was generally accepted that prostate cancer treatment can be delayed on an institutional level, each site tailored its approach and balanced the needs of its own community. When viewed at the systems level, however, facilities with greater reductions in surgery cared for more patients from racial minority communities, which was associated with a decrease in treatment for black patients with prostate cancer. This trend provides a window into the intrinsic biases present within our healthcare system and is likely unfolding across medicine. Only after recognizing and acknowledging how structural racism has affected our institutions and policies can we move forward in making change. Without reconciliation, we will continue to find ourselves in a brutal cycle yielding intergenerational poverty and trauma, which has substantial ramifications on our patients' health. We physicians have tremendous social and political capital, he concluded. It is time for us to leverage this capital to make the changes needed to promote equity. You know who I would like to hear evaluate this story mm -hmm. is Dr. Maudlin. Okay, we Maudlin. need to work on getting him in here. And I would love to hear what your honey sweet has to say Set. about this because mm -hmm. I'm not discounting any of this, but one of the things that I had, one of the reasons that I said this is a pet peeve of mine, mm -hmm. and I don't want to cast a wide net, Mm -hmm. But it's just my observation that black men are hesitant and reticent of getting prostate surgery. I know. That I wonder if 
the COVID crisis gave them more of an excuse to not be aggressive and want to go into the doctor to get it taken care of. And I, I would be interested to hear what Dr. Marlin says and Dr. You know, it's kind of like you don't want to blame the victim. I don't, I'm not trying to blame the victim here. But I do know for a fact that black men, Lolly and I used to always say, Dr. Lolly and I used to always say, that black men, I don't want to cast a wide net, are more interested sometimes in preserving their wee-wee. I'm just throw it out there that, yes, and it's the same way when we talk about hypertension and medications that affect, you know, um, the erections and, and erectional and sexual dysfunction and all those kinds of things that men may experience that I just wonder if you drill down on this. And, yes, there's definitely structural racism, and, yes, there are all the things that they talked about there about patients, black patients getting less care and so forth. I just personally find that it's very difficult to talk some black men into having surgery because of all the horror stories, be they right or wrong, you know, incontinence and mm. impotency mm-hmm. and all these things that, you know, sometimes define a man. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I'm only looking at it from an observational standpoint, but just from having many, 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 many friends and had a friend who just passed recently. I remember when he was born, his mother mm-hmm. and I went to college. His dad died of sickle cell, uh, you know, many years ago. And he made a, he, it was a secret about him being on Facebook and talking about his disease. And I remember several years ago he came on and he said, he was going to opt out of, he had an aggressive prostate cancer. He was going to opt out of any kind of aggressive maneuvers because it might lead to impotency. Wow. And he passed about a months ago. A few months ago he passed away? He passed away. He was in his, let me see how old he was. He was about 52. Wow. And I tried to convince him and tell him that wasn't a good idea. Because of the nature of the aggression, and he, you know, he was in remission for a couple of years, and then it came back with aggression. And so, you know, so many of our brothers, uh, and I just would be interested to see, we got to get Dr. Marlin on yeah, here about. we'll work on that. Is this true? Is this fact fiction a fallacy? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so, you know, I've had many, many friends, and I'm sure Dr. Nate has had uh, similar situations that, mm-hmm. uh, it's difficult. It's a cultural thing. It's a it's a macho thing. Mm-hmm. Because we just uh, talked about like a, we just talked about last week about masculinity and how it keeps men, especially our black men, from doing stuff. Yeah, and it's just like I'm sure he deals with, like I said, with hypertension and those kind of drugs that might cause erectile dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Uh, that. You know, they'd rather have a stroke than, than you know, as, as Lolly said, they'd rather preserve their wee-wee. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Dr. Lolly will tell it like it is. Dr. Dr. Lolly, that's will, it. tell it like it is. But, yeah, so this is a great article. I love it. Mm-hmm. And I would like for us to use this article as the impetus for trying to get yeah. Dr. Maudlin and Dr. Joe back on to talk about this. Yeah, you're right. And that's across the board. But just think, you know, that that whole mindset is different because for, for women, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's different or something. But our mindset, you know, some, some women just for um, being proactive, they will have a double mastectomy and get rid of yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. And some people consider that 
overboard. I know when I was talking to our friend Dr. Wynn, mm -hmm. you know, we were talking about breast cancer and mastectomies and all that. You know, my first thought is double mastectomy and all of that. And he was talking to me about how, you know, sometimes that might not, you might not need that and it may not, might not be wise. But I think you're right. Women, you know, again, I was telling somebody the other day when I had my hysterectomy, I just told the doctor, you know, especially if it was pre-cancer or whatever, let's just remove everything. You know, let's just, you know, don't don't keep the ovaries or keep that. You know, so we tend to be, I agree with you, more aggressive mm -hmm. in our way wanting to manage some of our diseases. Don't you agree? I agree. Some of us put off and stuff, you know, because I can put off and stuff. But when it's time to right. get, get up to the plate, yeah, let's yeah. take care of this right here. Find this so much, you know, and I'm sure Dr. Doctor Nate will talk about this when it comes to black men and hypertension and strokes. They won't take their medication. They they don't come to their office, the doctor's office. They are non-compliant. They don't eat what they're supposed to. All of the above. And, I mean, there are many reasons, you know, working hard and just not wanting to take their health seriously. But it's a significant problem in the African-American community. Yes, it is. Well, Dee. You know, this inside show. So what are some other tips that you think we should think about? I think we need to go back to wear your mask, take care of yourself. You know, you have to be proactive in your own health. And you can look at the trajectory of this variant. And you, your state might not be affected as effective as Missouri or Louisiana or Florida, but it's coming. Mm -hmm. It's coming because there's a certain segment of the population that says we're not going to get vaccinated. That's number one. Number two, hopefully on the horizon, it's going to be authorized for children from 5 to 11 and 5 to 12. Mm -hmm. And then second thing that we learned today, again, is the, the issue of the weight lifting and, you know, its effect in helping you lose weight and your all-around health. That's it. And so we want to encourage everybody, like I will say, and Dee has been saying forever, and even on TV, I, I remember I was taking a little nap. Uh, it was about 11, and I kept hearing this voice, and I kept saying, damn, that voice sounds familiar. And then Nate said, yeah, that's D on TV. I said, okay, I knew I wasn't doing the podcast. Something was going on. <laughs> oh, that's funny. It was that's funny. Hilarious. I'm telling you. It's like, you know how you know how when you sleep and you, you're in the. I know. I, I do that in the morning when I'm listening to CNN, dozing in and off and dozing in and yes. off like this morning. All I heard was Shell Walensky come on. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's Dr. Walensky. Let me wake up here. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that was yeah. that was yeah. D doing what she does best. That was D. That was funny. So Dr. Nate was looking, too. Yeah, he was looking, and he was yeah. shaking his head because people, they just don't get it. But you keep I telling them. I'm just trying. I'm trying to continue to, to, to hone it. I, I just, somebody was on Facebook and said, why don't you just give up? I can't. Because this impacts what I do for a living every day. And I have a vested interest in mm -hmm. seeing people get better, not seeing them get sicker. So, no. That's it. That's it. Yeah. And thank yeah. you, Dee, once again. You are so welcome. <laughs> you are so welcome. And as always, for more information, go to our website, vickidofitness.com. And remember, if you have any questions, comments, or just something to say, tweet us, email us, go on Facebook, and share with us your thoughts. You've been listening to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. 
Vicky Doe is owner of Vicky Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum, a place to discuss, learn, and participate in healthy living. You can get in touch with Vicky by email at info at vickydoefitness.com.